0: The following criticism and commentary is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. Copyrighted movie clips are protected under the fair use doctrine. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the views of Minor and Landis, the firm, or its employees. Well, welcome back to Immigration at the Movies and on TV. This is Myth or Truth, where we examine how immigration processes are portrayed in popular culture and try to correct the often very wrong perception that people have about immigration based on what they're seeing in films and TV. Today, we're going to examine two episodes from the very funny NBC sitcom Superstore, which stars America Ferreira and Ben Feldman and follows a whole group of wacky and endearing characters working in a fictional big box store. For our purposes, we're going to focus on Mateo, an immigrant from the Philippines who is undocumented and discovers that getting a promotion in the store could mean that he will be discovered and threatened with deportation, as we will see through some very comic and in some cases touching circumstances. Now, some of what happens is accurate, but like so many of the films and TV we have examined so far, the writers have taken liberties with the truth in order to create drama and comedy. I'm joined today, of course, by immigration partner, Lynn Walker from Minor and Landis to discuss Superstore. Lynn, what did you think of the show Superstore in general?
1: I really enjoyed Superstore. I think the show gets a lot of things right about immigration, but also the writers seem to be really sensitive about what's going on in our society today and have made an effort to include topics such as inclusion, diversity, problems that women and people of color face in the workplace, but also other progressive social issues. So I really enjoy watching this. It is funny, and it deals with a lot of these difficult topics in a a humorous and loving way.
0: Now, even though we're going to nitpick a few things that the show gets wrong, because that's what we do here on this series, basically, I think we can agree that the show's heart is in the right place and that they get a lot more right than they get wrong. Now, one thing the followers of Minor and Landis Immigration Update podcast may not know is that attorney Lynn Walker was a high school teacher for six years. So I decided I'm going to ask the former teacher to give a grade to each of these clips of Superstore as we go along as if she was grading her students. So we're going to be pulling clips from two different episodes, several from season two, episode 18, called Mateo's Last Day which sets up this story. And then later, a few more from season four, episode 22, called Employee Appreciation Day, when Mateo's immigration problems come to a head and we kind of have a cliffhanger. So a quick summary of this episode, uh, Mateo decides he's going to take a promotion at the Cloud9 signature store, Cloud9 being sort of a stand-in for Walmart or Kmart or something like that. Uh, But he hits a roadblock. At first, the problem seems to be that it's because he has a relationship with the district manager, Jeff, and they need to tiptoe around that to keep corporate from finding out. But the real problem presents itself when he's given the promotion forms to complete. And you'll see. I feel kind of
2: bad that I got promoted and you guys didn't. Oh, is getting transferred because you're sleeping with Jeff considered a promotion? Hey, there you are. Got your transfer paperwork right here. So just go ahead and fill that out and get it turned into me with your social security card and we're good to go. Cool. Um, I, I can actually just give you the number. Uh, no, they actually need to see the card these days. They got to run it through E-Verify. Is that going to be a problem? No, 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 no. <laughs> I just didn't realize this store was like Nazi Germany. Social security card. Great. No problem. No nope, no
1: problem. Uh, there, there are a couple of strange things about that. So first, let's say talk about what E-Verify is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: E-Verify is an intranet-based computer system or software system created by the Department of Homeland Security that compares the information on a person's Form I-9 with the information that the Department of Homeland Security has in its database to confirm that the person is actually employment authorized. So in in viewing this, it's they have the terminology correct, but it's a little wonky in terms of the timing. First, Cloud9 should have had Mateo complete a Form I-9 when he was hired. And again, I'll go into detail what the timeline for that is and what the I-9 is. Second, usually transferring from one location of an employer to another location of an employer would not trigger the need to e-verify someone. Third, if an employer has E-Verify, they cannot selectively decide when they're going to use that for employment purposes. That is, if you are enrolled in E-Verify, all of your employees must be E-Verified. You can't decide that you're just going to E-Verify some employees when those employees transfer. Doing so could make an employer subject to a claim of discrimination. So what is the I-9 and what is this about and where does it come from? So the I-9 process started when Congress enacted the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986, also known as IRCA or IRCA, which prohibits employers from knowingly hiring undocumented individuals and hiring individuals without completing the employment eligibility verification process. Super wordy, but what does it mean? Well, ERCA led to the creation of something we know as Form I-9, which is the Employment Eligibility Verification Document. All employers have to complete this for all employees hired on or after November 6, 1986 for individuals who, be, who will be working in the U.S. So this process should have already been completed for Mateo. Kudos to Superstore for getting the terminology of E-Verify and some of the uh, processes correct. But the timeline is off.
0: Okay, so the first time some immigration processes come up, they sort of get it right, but not quite right. You know, as a former teacher, what would you grade uh, this part of Superstore?
1: Hmm, on a scale of A, a, you know, a to a, F, yes, A to F. <laughs> a
0: to F. How, um, how, how much right and how much wrong did they get? This one particular thing.
1: I I would give them a C.
0: Okay, so a C for the for the first uh, immigration yeah. point. Okay, so let's finish that clip and see what else happens. Social security card,
2: great, no problem. No, no problem. Do undocumented people have
1: documents? No. No, we don't. Oh. So, like, won't that be an issue? Yes. So, Cheyenne made a really good point in this video, and I I want to discuss it a little bit. the The term undocumented and what that means, um, it, it's very confusing. Um, and I, I'm glad we use that term now as opposed to illegal alien, which you know was always odd to me because a person is not illegal, and an alien reminds me of you know, science fiction, green people coming to the world, the earth on a UFO. A stranger from the outside. So undocumented, what, what does that mean, right? Um, I think it's a really all-encompassing term. It's a big umbrella term for individuals who find themselves in the U.S. without documentation to establish their legal authority to be in the country or their ability to work in the country. I think there's also this mistaken view that most people who are in the US who are undocumented were somehow smuggled into the US or came into the US through the Southern border where individuals like Mateo only found out recently that he was undocumented. Um, And many individuals like Mateo came here as children with a relative, um, sometimes a parent, sometimes an aunt or uncle or an older sibling. They came to the US with a passport and a visa. They simply overstayed. And that's what the DACA program is about, right? Numerous children came to the US with family members, sometimes with passports and visas, sometimes without but they were very young and they were brought into the country and their only memories are of the United States and this is where they grew up. And so uh, the only thing they realize, the only thing they know is that the United States is home. And it isn't until much later, usually when they are teenagers and applying for their first job for their work papers. Or when they are applying for college, that many of them come to realize they are not, in fact, U.S. citizens. They are not Americans, but that they are undocumented. And that's the dilemma that Mateo finds himself in.
0: I can't help but think of what the actual experience is like for these people. Having grown up in America, feeling that they are Americans, and then suddenly waking up, being woken up to the fact that they are going to be sent back to their native country, their homeland that they know nothing about. I mean, the actual experience of this must be devastating for people.
1: Removal and deportation is always heartbreaking, especially for the family members who have to be potentially left behind. Because um, if you think about it, once you've been anywhere for 20 20 plus years, you've established roots. Many individuals who've been here for 20 plus years um, are have families that are mixed citizenship families. So while uh, one or two of the parents or siblings may be undocumented, the younger siblings may be U.S. citizens. So when the parents are put into removal proceedings, and if they are in fact removed from the U.S., they need to make very difficult decisions? Do they take their U.S. citizen children back to their homeland with them to a a country where the children may not speak the language, know the culture, or, or just know how the society works? Or do they potentially leave their U.S. citizen children here, even either with a family member or potentially place them in foster care? I mean, that's kind of the, the decision we're asking people to make when they're put into removal proceedings, I, I don't think there there's anyone who can make that decision lightly or easily. It's heartbreaking.
0: It's definitely a serious uh, situation. Uh, but let's see if we can move forward with this uh, comedy show uh, about this situation and move on to our next clip.
1: So after realizing the dilemma that Mateo is in as an undocumented individual, his work family, his friends, come together to try to find ways of fixing his status in the United States so that he is here legally.
0: And of course, in this next clip, they get a few things right, but they get one thing very comically wrong.
2: You're not a refugee. You're not a special agricultural worker. Any interest in joining the military? (sighs) I don't trust myself with a weapon. I would like killing too much.
1: Oh, or you could just get beat up. Person may be eligible for a special U1 visa if they are a victim of a violent crime, such as an assault. That's
2: crazy. I can't believe that's real.
1: That's because it's not real. So
2: I would just need to get
1: punched. No, it seems like you'd have to get your ass beat pretty bad.
2: Or if you don't want to get your ass beat, I'm still willing to marry you. Oh, thank you, Jonah. When you put it like that. The ass beating doesn't
1: sound so bad. All right. So first and foremost, the, the marriage thing, right? So a- although you can get a green card based on marriage to a U.S. citizen, whether you are homosexual or heterosexual, the issue is that the marriage must be bona fide. For Mm -hmm. immigration, a bona fide marriage means that you married because you want to establish a life together Mm -hmm. and not solely or principally to get a foreign national a green card. Um, USCIS would most likely, I'm very confident in saying this, they would find this to be a case of marriage fraud, which would put both Cheyenne and Jonah in a position where they could Do some time in prison for a federal offense, and it would make Mateo immediately deportable and ineligible to come back to the United States once he completed his period of deportation, because they will have found that he committed material fraud or misrepresentation. This is a serious
0: thing to consider. They're they're way off to to, to TV. Now, you know, again, in fairness to the writers, these characters don't know all this. And so the characters may suggest this thinking that it's a lighthearted thing. Well, we'll just get married and then we'll get divorced and it'll be easy. Not realizing, as many people don't, that this is a serious, serious offense. So what about that whole other list of things they were talking about, agricultural okay. worker, et cetera, and so on? Is that <laughs> is that a real list or is that something that the writers made up?
2: You're not a refugee. You're not a special agricultural worker. Any interest in joining the military?
1: It's weird. It's So ages and ages and age ago, ages ago, uh, long before I started practicing, and I think I saw one of these holdover cases. Um I want to say it was in the 1980s that this mm-hmm. came about, but I might be be wrong because I, I wasn't an attorney in the 1980s. Um, I was st- <laughs> still in middle school. Yeah. Um, there was a program called Special Agricultural Workers or SAW, where you could get a green card if you came to the US to work as, in essence, a farmer or a farmhand. Um, that program, as far as I understand, has not been around for ages. Um, so the list that they're reading is more of a, a historic list as opposed to a list of viable options that are available today. But they did mention some things that were, were interesting, and I, I I think we have to set the record straight. So there are a series of visas that are available for individuals who are victims of serious crime. Getting one's ass beat is serious, especially for the, for the victim. But is that a serious crime for immigration purposes? It is not at all. Let me go over what the visas are. There are three of them. I'll read you a short summary of what they are from the USCIS website. The S visa, the T visa, and the U visa. So the S visa is more commonly known as the snitch visa. So the S visa allows a person who witnesses or can act as an informant to assist law enforcement and provide information about criminal organizations in the U.S. So this is for individuals who are involved in organized crime or drug smuggling who have either witnessed the crime or can act as a confidential informant. S visas are very difficult to get because the government needs to actually sponsor the visa in order for the individual to remain in the U.S. or come to the U.S. Then you have the T visa, which is for victims of severe forms of trafficking. And Mm. what do we mean by severe? So these are individuals who are victims of human trafficking where they are brought into the U.S. for forced labor slavery, or for sex trafficking. It allows the individual to remain in the U.S. if they have complied with any reasonable request for assistance from law enforcement in the detection, investigation, and prosecution of human traffickers. Mateo does not qualify for either the S or the T visa. Cheyenne mentioned the U visa, So the U visa is for victims of certain crimes who have suffered mental or physical abuse and are helpful to law enforcement or government officials in investigation or prosecution of criminal activity. The U visa is intended to help law enforcement agencies investigate and prosecute cases of domestic violence, sexual assault, trafficking of non-citizens and other crimes, while also protecting victims of crimes who have suffered substantial mental or physical abuse due to the crime. Mateo simply getting beat up, or as Cheyenne puts it, getting his ass seriously kicked, would not qualify him for a U visa. The crime has to be one of violence and has to be much more significant than simply getting assaulted.
0: So I want to distinguish here between two different kinds of immigration mistakes in the movies and TVs that we've been reviewing. One is where the writers clearly are ignorant or are ignoring uh, the truth. And the other is where the writers, they kind of know what they're talking about, but they're making characters demonstrate A common ignorance. And I think that's the one that's happening here. I think we're seeing these characters don't know anything about this, as as most laymen don't. You know, the characters themselves focus on this one thing. And comically, of course, as this is a, a comic trope, they super simplify it, and they turn it into, well, if he just gets punched in the parking lot, which happens later on, that will solve all our problems. And of course that is, you know, as a comic reduction of the truth. So I don't I wouldn't blame the writers for this mistake. They're they're making the characters make the mistake. And I think that's an important distinction.
1: Uh, I don't blame lay people when they do their own research on on Google uh, because there are a lot of fake websites that come up stating that they are the authority in immigration law. There are also a lot of websites that come up That are written by individuals simply trying to strum up business for their immigration company or their immigration firm that oversimplify Mm -hmm. what the requirements are in in order to get people in the door. So it's hard, I think as a layperson, when you are trying to navigate this process on your own without legal counsel to figure out what is accurate and what is not. And so it's not surprising that the characters in this show get it wrong. The truth is that's accurate. Most people get immigration wrong. So I, I wouldn't give... Superstore, a bad grade for this, I think this accurately portrays how people believe the immigration system works.
0: Okay, former teacher, you got to give them some kind of a grade. What is it?
1: <laughs> I mean, a grade, uh, if I'm giving a, a grade for accuracy and how people think the immigration system works, yes. this would be an A.
0: Wow, Okay. Okay, that's good. I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. And uh, so, okay. uh, they yeah. set out on a very wacky and sitcomy quest yeah, to have it. the pacifist-slash-socialist Jonah beat uh, Mateo uh, up. As she she if that, that head 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 would out. actually work. And Jonah can't quite okay. bring himself to do it.
2: Here it comes. Here we go. No, see, now you're just staring at me, and, and that's weird. Oh, come on. Uh, don't think of it as a hate crime. Well, I wasn't, but... Now I am.
0: So that brings us to the last clip from this episode, uh, which ends on a rather sad moment. Jeff, wait.
2: Hey. uh, A little celebratory dinner tonight? I made us a reservation at the place with the fish tank. I can't transfer. What? Why? Uh, I just... It's complicated, but I I, I just can't. Well, I mean... We talked about it. I would transfer, but there's... No, you know, I'm asking you to transfer. No, it's, I'm just saying, if it is about your career, I totally it's get that. not about job. Okay, I, but it would be a I lateral just, move. It yeah. worse Please, please listen to me. I, I, I just... I'm not... I'm not... Uh, in love with you. Are you breaking up with me? Sorry. Are you okay? Not really. I just... I don't know if I did the right thing, but... <gasps> I did it! Woo! Cheyenne, I did it.
0: Mm. You're welcome. It's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Touching at first, of course. Uh, And this is where the audience really starts to sympathize with Mateo. And the arc of this story goes over two more seasons. And now we're going to get into season four. This is the last episode of season four, kind of the cliffhanger. So by this point in the series, there are some rumors of unionization happening at Cloud9. And this episode is called Employee Appreciation Day, in which corporate tries to win back their employees by giving out free pizza and ice cream. Now, the first critical moment we want to examine is a meeting at corporate headquarters where they are discussing how to suppress the unionization efforts being made by some of the employees. Okay, and
1: where are we with
2: the union stuff at 1217?
0: Well, assuming they petition the NLRB, we'll get legal into it. Good. Uh, Keep me in the loop on that?
2: Keep me in the loop on that, too.
0: Okay, Jeff. And then it's all about slowing down their momentum. We're running background checks on all the floor workers. We've authorized ICE to do a worksite enforcement. We're trying to isolate the agitators. ICE?
2: You're bringing in ICE. Wow, that's, uh, that's extreme. Yeah,
0: Jeff, that's why
2: we're doing it. It's extreme. I have to go to the bathroom. You can just go, you don't have to announce it. Okay, it's uh, diarrhea, so I'm probably gonna be gone for a while. He makes me uncomfortable.
0: Now (laughs) clearly Jeff still has feelings for Mateo and here's what's going on. He's trying to rush to warn Mateo of what's coming. Uh, What do you you think of of this scene? (laughs) Hello, anything?
1: This is not how a worksite enforcement with ICE happens. Employers do not invite ICE to a place of employment to do a worksite enforcement. ICE is not HR. ICE is not going to come in and check people's documents simply because the employer invites them in.
0: Couldn't the company themselves get in trouble if undocumented workers are found? Well, that's... that's
1: the problem. So, a worksite enforcement is done to find violations of the I 9 rules and to see if the employers are knowingly hiring and employing unauthorized and/or undocumented workers to arrest those workers, and potentially to fine and arrest employers. So let's go back a little bit. How does a worksite enforcement actually happen? ICE will be called in to investigate, not by an employer, but by potentially an employee who says that they believe their employer is hiring or employing undocumented workers, or through another governmental agency that is investigating the employer, for example, for OSHA violations or Department of Labor violations, some other violations. They make it sound like a company can call ICE to have officers come in and do an HR evaluation or an I-9 audit. That is not... The purpose of ICE.
0: They're calling almost like it's a cleaning service.
1: Exactly. That's just, that's simply not what happens. So, in essence, you have an employer calling ICE and incriminating itself. Where is the legal team? Then they're subjecting themselves to substantial fines, uh, a public recusal, because ICE will show up there and arrest employees and potentially arrest the employer. Uh, and in addition, if you're doing this as a means of, I don't know, abusing your workforce, let's say you don't have any undocumented people, but it, it is what they claim it is. Uh, they're trying to stop their employees from unionizing. So you potentially have U.S. workers who want to unionize and the employer decides they're going to get even or scare people by calling Intimidation. ICE.
0: Intimidation, basically.
1: It is. It's retaliation. These U.S. employees could potentially call the Department of Justice. There's a division there called Immigrant and Employee Rights and file a claim of discrimination. Immigrant and Employee Rights, also known as IER, can investigate. And if you don't believe me, go to their website. They post very act actively, once a week, twice, twice a month, investigations where employers are fined or sanctioned publicly for intimidating, discriminating, harassing their employees based on an employee's um, citizenship or membership in a protected group. Uh, I, I can't imagine any employer would be ignorant enough to put themselves in legal jeopardy in an effort to get even with their employees. So we're going to cut to the scene where the ICE worksite enforcement begins, and we're going to discuss some of the issues that come up in this worksite enforcement. And there are are actually many issues that arise.
0: Uh, Attention cloud nine employees. Were
2: you born in a foreign country? Have you overstayed a visa, or did you cross the border illegal? Well, today is not your lucky day. Because ICE is here, so stay
0: tuned, because you can't leave. I like to add a little color to the announcements.
2: Uh, what's the the process here?
0: Everyone should just go about business as usual while we run the socials to the database. We spot any illegals. We'll let you know.
2: Well, I don't think we have any
1: illegals working here.
0: You never can tell. They look just like you and me. Well
1: you. Ha ha. Okay. So no, that's not how it happens. You see ICE officers just randomly going through her office, grabbing files. They don't do that during a work work site enforcement. So when they they show up, they will ask the employer to hand over the I-9s for inspection Typically, an employer has three days to do this. They're not going to go into the employer's office and start grabbing files because you can potentially grab files that you do not have a right to. Hopefully, between the time I shows up and they hand over the, the files, if they don't already have an immigration attorney retained, They will retain one before handing documentation over to ICE. You still must hand over the documentation, but getting an immigration attorney involved can help you sort through the documentation very quickly and identify some of the issues that are going to become problematic for you.
0: So safe to say they get an F for just this little part.
1: For this little part. I mean, yes, ICE would be looking at the documentation, but they wouldn't go through and pull all the files themselves. They would ask the employer to collect those files and turn them over.
0: So maybe not an F, maybe like a D, D minus.
1: A D. Okay.
0: Moving on. Uh, Mateo's friends, his coworkers, uh, gather in a warehouse to discuss some of the possible ways they could hide Mateo or help him escape.
2: Obviously, we're not going to just let them take Mateo, so somebody come up with something. There are no bad ideas. Hiding Mateo in the store won't work anyway. They have sniffer dogs, infrared scanners. They bust through windows, kick down doors, come down through the ceiling. I mean, it's weird. Their entire job is just an exercise in walls being useless. Okay, so what are you suggesting, Dina? That we just hand Mateo over to ICE? I mean, no offense to Mateo, but technically he did commit a crime. Oh, Dana, well, yeah, elsewhere. I'm just saying, if you get caught sneaking into a movie, they don't let you stay for the rest of the movie. It depends how much of the movie you've watched. Yeah,
0: and what the movie is.
2: It's the greatest movie you'll ever see. It's called America. Oh, Ride Along 2 is in my top ten. Easy. What if your parents brought you to the movie through no fault of your own? Well, you'd still get kicked out.
0: I mean, yeah. Okay.
2: What if you were born in the movie theater? All right,
0: why don't we take a break from this metaphor? Yes. Sir. So Dina, the no-nonsense manager who still cares about Mateo... Says a line that a, a lot of people often say, that you often hear people saying, you still broke the law. What's your reaction to that?
1: I have problems with this. I got a lot of problems with you people. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of problems with this. So.
0: President. President.
1: Up until very recently, I would say until the Trump administration, we had a rule in the immigration system whereby we did not hold a child under the age of 16 responsible for fraud or misrepresentation. We understood that young children did not understand often what their parents were doing and did not understand their immigration situation. Uh, In fact, most adults don't understand their immigration situation. Mateo only found out very recently that he was undocumented.
0: Right. And I think we can assume he was a child. He was a child when he was brought over.
1: Yeah. And like many children, they come here with a a parent or a guardian or an older sibling where they have a passport and they have a visa. Mm -hmm. They have simply overstayed the validity period of their authorized stay. So Mateo didn't break the law when he came to the U.S. Right. And to say that he, you know, you still broke the law, he did not know this. His, he has assumed up until very recently that he was a U.S. citizen, that he was an American. So how can you hold him responsible for something that he did not have the, in our legal system, we call mens rea, right? He didn't have the frame of mind. Most children do not have the frame of mind to be able to plan commit and have the intention of defrauding the US government when they enter. a baby I did baby. What you're saying is a child who comes here at four or five years old and overstays their visa should somehow know the legal ramifications of that. They should understand what those numbers in their passport mean, and they should somehow, of their own volition, book a flight back home to wherever their home country is so that they don't violate immigration law. You are holding him responsible for the mistakes or the crimes or it just simply an action and oversight committed by his parents, which is completely unfair. Now that ICE has shown up, they're all in the back and they're really brainstorming and scrambling for a way to help Mateo. And they're just pitching all kinds of crazy ideas. And one of them comes from another immigrant, Saeed, who discusses his process to get to the U.S.,
0: what if we let you get deported and then you can just come back legally like Said?
2: Yeah, what was that application process like?
1: Well, my country was in a civil war. I applied for refugee status and waited two years for background checks while all my friends either died or fled persecution. Uh,
2: sorry, I meant literally. What was the application like? Did you do it online or was it a snail mail situation?
1: Snail mail. <laughs> Brutal.
0: <laughs> well, that's a harrowing story from Said. How true is that?
1: It's hard. Well, the f- first part I want to discusses where they say, well, why don't we let you get deported and then you can come back as a refugee. So if you remember from our prior videos, if a person is deported, they have to wait outside of the country anywhere from five to 20 years uh, based on the reason they were deported. And then uh, a determination has to be made if they're inadmissible, they may need a waiver to come back in. So that's the first issue. So having Mateo deported, Not a quick fix.
0: Again, but the character's misunderstanding, not the writer's. Exactly. Yes.
1: Um, The refugee process, that's also not necessarily a quick fix. And I don't believe Mateo would be eligible. He is from the Philippines, I believe. And what he would have to show in order to become a refugee is that he is in fear of persecution in his home country. Now, what Syed said about the refugee process is... True. And we saw this most recently with the refugee process in Afghanistan. It is a very long wait. It takes at least two years to vet individuals while they are living in these temporary and often really terrible refugee camps where there is very little water, there's poor sanitation, people frequently go hungry. There is high crime. People are not protected. Individuals are frequently killed while awaiting clearance to get to the U.S. And they are killed by the individuals that they are seeking protection from. They do often give up and they flee to other countries because it takes so long to go through the process of becoming a refugee In the United States. And when you you think about why we set up that process to protect people from persecution and from imminent harm, making someone wait, usually on the border of their country where they are fleeing in a refugee camp with very little protection for two years, is just inhumane.
0: So, again, an A for Saeed's harrowing story.
1: Yes, it's accurate. So sadly, we come to the end of the road for Matteo. He and his friends realize that there is no um, option readily available to protect him from removal and deportation. So they're left with trying to help Matteo evade and escape ice
0: in any way they can so the guy we're looking for is named mateo fernando aquino liwanak
1: liwanak
0: yeah it sounds swedish
2: or Watson?
0: mateo could be mexican hey you know what there is a guy here named mark maybe you're looking for him no it's not mark it's mateo and it says that he has worked here for four years
2: well i'm sorry i i know everyone who has ever worked here and i have never heard that name
0: so uh Who's this? What the hell? Um, I uh, have never seen that picture before. Feels like I'm in a horror movie. Before we go any further, I mean, are these guys committing perjury or something like that? I mean, they're obviously lying to to an agent. Could that get them in trouble?
1: In certain states, lying to a police officer is against the law. In all States of the United States lying to a federal law enforcement officer is against the law. You can be arrested for lying to a federal officer. And if you are convicted, you can be fined and sentenced up to five years in prison.
0: So what would happen after they do find Mateo? Would they come back for these these guys?
1: They could potentially come back for the um, Yes, they could potentially come back for the um, employees Mm -hmm. and the managers who were helping Matteo evade capture? Right.
0: Again, not anything wrong with the writing of the show. It's just the misunderstanding of the characters themselves.
1: I don't even know if it's a misunderstanding. I, I mean, if you if you you think about the situation in which an, an ice they call it a worksite enforcement, but you know, mm. let's be real, it, it's a raid, right? Um, it is. It's scary. You have people in vans with bulletproof vests and guns showing up uh, and you know why they're, they're there. If you have a friend there and your friend says to you, look, you need to get me out of here. I don't think given that situation with um, the heightened sense of threat that pervades this whole process. That many people can sit and calmly think, oh, you know what? I probably can't help you because it's against the law. I I think more often people fall back to, I've known Mateo for four years. Mm -hmm. He is my good friend. I love him very Mm -hmm. much. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. So I'm going to help him try to find a way out of this. I think that's human nature. When we love someone that we want to help them, regardless of what the potential risk is to us. That's not even a thought. The, the I, I think the thought is, how do we resolve this harm quickly?
0: Well, let's continue with this clip and watch as they get themselves in even deeper trouble.
1: There you are. They know about you.
2: What? They saw your picture. They know what you look like. We have to go now. OK, well, where do we go? I don't know. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. OK, listen to me very carefully. And I'll get you out of there. You've got agents coming your way for menswear and electronics. Make a left at aisle nine and we'll lose them in grocery. Thank you, Dina. Go now. When you hit the end of the aisle, you're going to need to head due west. Where? Left or right, Tina? Left. Due west runs diagonally through the store from camping to customer service. How do you not know that? Left. Okay. Hey! Oh, 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 f- there's someone. Run! Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Run. Run! They're, they're heading go, north go, through go, go, housewares. Get out of there! Go! Go, 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 go. Go, 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 go. go, go. go, go, go. Wait, No, wait, stop! Stop! Reverse course! Turn around! Okay, do plan. Just make it to no the pharmacy. You can hide them. No, no, wait. Turn around. Turn around. Go, go back. Go, go back go the back. other way. Uh, you could look for the housewares, I think. Just book it. Okay? Book it to the end. This one. Go down here, down stop. here. Stop, stop, stop. No, wait, stop. There's like 20 guys coming that way. Ugh. Uh, no, stop. Stop, stop. No, there's another one. There's... there's no, hold on. Hold on. Tina, just tell us where to go. Okay, hang on. Just wait. Wait. I... I don't... I don't know. They're They're everywhere. What? I'm sorry. No! I'm um, I'm okay. Okay, there's a vent up there. We can climb up on the thing. and create a diversion and take off our tops while you go run. Yes,
0: let's do that. Okay. Stop, stop, guys. It's okay. It's over. So a wacky chase scene, but ultimately very touching in the end. Um, How much of this do you think they got right?
1: Well, Mateo would be arrested. He would be taken to um, either a, a local jail or to an ICE facility a detention center to be processed for removal. So it it is fairly accurate. The, the chase scene, people do run away, but they do get caught. Yeah. But the whole store and all of its employees acting to try to evade ICE uh, would put all of them at risk of being fined or, or arrested for harboring and employing Undocumented individuals. So um, this happens with frequency. So this is this part of it is fairly accurate.
0: So again, good marks for this scene and probably for the show as a whole. Would you give what what grade would you give to the show as a whole for immigration process accuracy?
1: I think of all the shows that we've watched and movies, this is fairly accurate in terms of the the human toll that immigration can have, not just on the undocumented individuals, but on their community, their loved ones and their family. What the immigration process can do to employers, it, it can be a benefit in, in terms of hiring foreign nationals, but it can also cause significant problems if you do not do the employment and verification process accurately. I think it also reflects sometimes the way employers can use immigration as a weapon against Mm -hmm. undocumented people, um, which is unfortunate. It does happen with some frequency. You read about it in the media. So I think on the whole, Superstore did a a really good job of portraying the the issues around immigration, the processes.
0: I feel like most of the mistakes that we're pointing out are the very sensitive writers trying to point out the common misperceptions that most people have. Again, it's the characters making the mistakes, not the show in this case. So I would also say this this show is really successful at at portraying some of the issues that that we deal with uh, every day. I agree. So there it is. uh, Another episode of Immigration at the Movies and TV with the show Superstore. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Hope you join us again. Please like and subscribe and rate and review the podcast. That really helps us. And any parting words, Lynn?
1: Thank you for joining us today and listening. And also thank you for some of your very thoughtful comments on our YouTube channel regarding your experiences with the U.S. immigration system. We love hearing about other people's stories and um, how our our videos are, are helpful in letting people learn about the real inner workings of the immigration system. And I would invite you to contact either Mike or I if you have any questions or if you would like to be a guest on the show. We look forward to providing more information to you through this I guess, medium of reviewing entertainment so that immigration becomes a much more understandable process.
0: Thanks for listening.